Well, the Kentucky Wildcats picked up a huge bubble win over Mississippi State on Wednesday. Is Coach Cal's team actually going to go dancing after all? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton, and today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Well, I am joined today by Lance Da, the host of Locked On Kentucky, talking about a much much needed win for the Wildcats over Mississippi State on Wednesday. Uh, Lance, you described this game as the bubble game of the year. How impactful of a win was this for Coach Calipari and the Wildcats in terms of making the big dance? Well, Andy, to be completely honest with you, I, I had a feeling if Kentucky didn't find a way to, to win this one, they probably were not going to make it into the NCAA tournament. It's so mm-hmm. weird. Just a couple weeks ago, I thought Kansas might have been the biggest game of the year for Kentucky. But as mm-hmm. it turns out, you know, that game definitely would have helped their chances. Sure. But this was the one way. OK, if we lose this, then it, it, it's over. <laughs> and Kentucky needed that quad mm-hmm. one victory to, to kind of help them rise in the net rankings. And so, uh, yeah, it's about as big of a game as they could have possibly had. It was it was the definition of a must win game and they mm-hmm. barely and I mean barely got the victory over Mississippi State a really really fun I would say back and forth affair between two teams that I think are very evenly matched uh, mm-hmm. Mississippi State obviously took advantage of what they had down low with Tolu Smith. Oscar Sheebway statistically had a really good game especially yeah. when it came to rebounding the ball and some really clutch moments for the Wildcats so. Uh, yeah, just a really fun back and forth game that ended up with a Wildcat victory. A fun note, Andy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kentucky's not lost at Mississippi State since 2008. Uh, <laughs> so we came into this game kind yeah. of expecting, all right, well, if the trends continue, then we should be able to continue to stay on the bubble. And mm-hmm. sure enough, the Wildcats were able to get it done. No severe wheeler for Kentucky in this game. Cason Wallace has a quite honestly, a horrendous shooting night. One of 13, 0 of 8 from deep, just could not get the ball to go through the bucket. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of games this year where if you told me Wheeler doesn't play, Wallace makes one shot, finishes with four points, and Kentucky still wins. I'm not sure that I would have believed you. Uh, what do you think about this game kind of helped Kentucky be able to power through some some struggles with the young guards uh, and still be able to pull out a victory? Well, I think a couple of things we have to note here, Andy, and I might have talked with this uh, about this mm-hmm. with you on, on your show just months ago, just talking mm-hmm. about how when Kentucky gets out of rhythm on offense, it's not necessarily – their plays or or anything yeah. like that. It's them rushing things, and I think you saw that with Case and Wallace consistently uh, last night with them uh, with them rushing their offense at times, and Wallace just kind of fogging shots up that he doesn't normally take in those situations. Mm-hmm. I will say to kind of give him some credit, he did have eleven assists to one turnover, sure. so he was making his impact in the thirty eight minutes that he had on the floor. But yeah, if Kentucky had gotten just a little bit of offense out of him. This may have been a five, six, seven point victory. But mm-hmm. it, it's it's also, I think, when you look at the way that Kentucky's offense operates, it's a little bit different stylistically than what we may see uh, across the SEC when it comes to seeing a lot of mid-range jumpers, seeing a lot right. of th- shots in that area of the paint where you just don't normally see that in a, in a traditional modern, or excuse me, a modern offense. Mm-hmm. It's more traditional for the Wildcats. And so guys like Jacob Toppin, 
uh, being able to play really solid in this game, knocking down his mid-range jumpers consistently. He was 7 of 9 from the floor. Chibwe hit a couple of those foul line shots that he has been kind of known for whenever he steps out of the paint. And then Antonio Reeves, somebody who has developed into a really consistent score for the Wildcats as their bench has gotten tighter. He has been able to insert himself into the starting lineup, and he has been a really good shooter for the Wildcats outside the arc. I'm surprised that he didn't get burnt out in this game against Georgia. Uh, He was shooting really, really well to begin that game, was really solid in the first half, and then his legs just kind of gave out from under him uh, in the second, and he wasn't able to kind of get the elevation on the shot, his shot that he needed to. But it was an all-around effort, I think, Andy, from this team, Mm -hmm. especially – when you look at the fact that they're not playing a bench essentially right now, right. I mean, they had eight minutes for Lance Ware, eight minutes for Fierro, six minutes for Damian Collins, but those guys aren't really doing much when they're in the game outside of what they bring defensively. But the the whole point of them getting into the game is to kind of give the starters just a little bit of breath, if right. that. So it was essentially a victory for a starting lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. And I am really hoping that CJ Frederick and Severe Wheeler come back, not necessarily for what they both bring to the table, although I am excited about that, but more about just giving this rotation some breathing right. room because this game could have been, uh, I would say, a little bit easier for the Wildcats if they had had those guys. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing you talked about on your show recently as well is is the playing time for Oscar Shibway. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about National Player of the Year, uh, guys that don't rarely even return to college, and yet he's back, he's here with Kentucky, and one of the recent reports was that he's going to see a little bit less playing time going forward. Can you talk to me about, about what, what Calipari is doing here? What this, uh, what the plan is with Shibuya? It didn't really happen in this game, but like you said, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of depth going around for Kentucky in general, but do you think we'll see a little bit less of Shibuya on a game to game basis going forward? And do you think that's a good thing for Kentucky? Yeah. So last season, Oscar Shibuya, especially later in the year was struggling on the defensive end of the floor. And I said, coming into this season, we're going to need to see improvement on that side of the ball, whether it be protecting the rim a little bit better, understanding his assignment, not leaving it at random times, which he has been prone to do. Uh, The defense has kind of played with him at different times this season, depending on who the opponent is. But it's consistently been not necessarily against a player that's taller, but against a player that's just as physical down low at the Mm -hmm. five. And Oscar Shibway has defensively struggled with that. I've said for what it feels like weeks now, that he should maybe get his minutes trimmed. And it came to a point where I did a show recently where I said he should get straight up get benched. If he's going to be playing the way that he is on the defensive end of the floor, look, he can get his 15 and 12 a night, but that's not cutting it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really nice to see him getting those points on the offensive end of the floor, but he's given up about 20 on the other end. So Mm -hmm. I thought that maybe rotationally Kentucky should do some things differently. And then coach Cal on a radio show earlier this week came out and said, you know what? I think we should start playing Uganda and Yenzo and Damian Collins more. And it's mm-hmm. just one of those where it's like, brother, every single time the fan base has suggested something about this rotation, Cal <laughs> comes around to it about two and a half weeks too late. And it's just like, hey, maybe I should do that. Yeah, you probably should, man. And the funny thing about this is he wants to play Uganda and Yenzo, our five-star backup center. Mm-hmm. Didn't play against Mississippi State. Didn't play him. So he's like, hey, maybe I should play these guys. He gives Collins six minutes. He gives mm-hmm. Ware eight. Uh, I think he's he's trying to rotationally adjust things, which I do appreciate the fact that, oh, what we, like I, I think some people are very critical of Cal and mm-hmm. the fact that he coaches a little bit differently maybe than the fans want him to, but mm-hmm. he's still out here making an effort. I think that's yeah. very clear with the way that he's kind of adjusted things. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe continuing to do that is kind of what the fans are hoping for, maybe mm-hmm. making some adjustments down low. I think, Oscar, if the team is healthy, yeah. should play less. 
Yeah. Um, that's just my take on that. I think if Coach Cal truly is saying that, he should follow up with that. I'm not <laughs> sure if he's going to. That's actually something I talked about on yesterday's show. I was like, well, he can say all of this he wants in front of a microphone, but it mm-hmm. only truly matters whenever he makes the adjustment in game. So mm-hmm. I want to see him actually do that. Well, in Tennessee, Tennessee, Kentucky's got some really tough games coming up, including Tennessee, who they're playing on Saturday. They got Auburn still. They got Arkansas left on the calendar. So while this game over Mississippi State was huge in terms of them not losing their spot on the bubble, things are not necessarily going to get a lot easier for Coach Calipari and the Wildcats right now. Looking at ahead at the schedule with those three games, a couple other not as difficult games, although Kentucky has proven they can lose to just about anybody in the SEC this year. Do you still think this team ends up in the field of 68? And if so, what do you think is going to need to happen for them to get into the big dance? I think a couple of things are going to have to happen, Andy. And the answer is yes, I do believe that they're going to be able to make it. I think, first of all, you have to find some type of better rim protection uh, offensively or, excuse me, defensively, whether that be in the half court or in the transition game. Mississippi State is one of the slowest teams in the nation. They had 19 fast break points on the Wildcats just the other night. 19. That's one of the slowest teams in the country that can't shoot. And they had 19 fast break points on Kentucky. You have to be able to solve that. You have to be able to find ways to get back in transition better uh, than what you are right now. And the second thing is, I think Kentucky needs their guards, their outside shooters to perform a little bit better. I know Antonio Reeves, like I said, has been playing really well right now for the Wildcats. But Mm -hmm. if CJ Frederick is inserted back into this lineup, statistically, as the year has gone on, he's gotten worse. And so we need him to step mm-hmm. up and do his job because he's a little bit of a defensive liability as well. We need we need guys like C.J. Frederick, guys like Casey Wallace. I'm not saying they need to hit 50% of their outside shots. What I'm saying is they just need to be more consistent than what they have been. Uh, so maybe finding a little bit more transition defense, maybe finding a little bit more of that outside offense is going to help Kentucky against teams like Tennessee, Auburn, Florida, Arkansas, teams that mm-hmm. are a little bit more defensive-minded uh, maybe finding ways to, to just kind of either keep up or maintain a lead with those two factors uh, if they do improve in those areas. I think they certainly could win. Uh, they could win four out of these last five games, yeah. uh, to be completely honest with you. It's just all about finding that momentum and knocking down your shots. That's essentially what it comes down to. And I know that's a really basic analysis, but <laughs> that's kind of what you come to. That's what you chalk it up to here as you're trying to get to the big dance is just finding ways to win the simple things. I think at this point, well, Northwestern isn't even a bubble team anymore. They are looking like an easy at large team after wins over Purdue and Indiana. Can this team make a sweet 16 or later run this year? More on that. But first I want to tell you about today's sponsor FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Maybe you like Kentucky's chances against a Tennessee team coming off a huge win, or maybe you want to keep rolling with Northwestern, who we will talk about momentarily. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, joined now by Carter Bird, the host of the Locked on Northwestern podcast to talk about these last two weeks 
four straight victories, including a win over Purdue. And now, of course, the season sweep over Indiana Carter. We were talking before recording about how the whole state of Indiana is not particularly <laughs> happy with Northwestern right now, now in sole possession of second place in the Big Ten. Uh, Carter, I want to kind of go back a little farther. And there was a, a two-game period of time where Northwestern got absolutely smacked by Iowa. I think they lost by 16 in that one. Lost to Michigan by 17 in their next game. Since then, rattled off four straight victories. What changed for this team to help get them to a spot where now they're kind of in the driver's seat for a, a really nice finish in the Big Ten? So something that I do think needs to be, I guess, taken into account is those two games were smack dab in the middle of this like chaotic stretch in time for Northwestern where they they are the only team I've seen or at least heard of this year that has gone through this, but they had an eight-day COVID pause because of a bunch of positive tests on the right. team, and they didn't have enough players to actually play. So they didn't play and really practice together for eight days. Hmm. Because of all the reshuffling of the schedule, they had to play six games in 13 days, which nobody does Ooh. like at any point in college basketball, not even in like real like – I guess if you got in some really deep – conference tournament and you had mm -hmm. to run from like the last seed all the way to winning the whole thing maybe mm -hmm. but they were they started that stretch they won three of them uh and they were rolling mm -hmm. coming out of the covid pause uh with a win over wisconsin nebraska and minnesota and the last two were kind of like they ran away with them and were dominant but you could kind of see in the second half of those games like fatigue started yeah. to mount uh in that same stretch first game back you had a key rotation piece in Julian Roper, who's a bench player. He kind of rolls his ankle, and mm -hmm. then he's out. And so you had to go down the bench. You had to find an extra guy in Nick M Martinelli, mm -hmm. who's actually a freshman who had played like two games before before that stretch, and he's turned out to be pretty decent. Right. <laughs> um, but the Iowa game, I thought they hung with Iowa – and then Iowa just shot the lights out in the second half, and the fatigue mounted for Northwestern, and then Iowa really separated. Michigan game, you saw Northwestern hang in there uh, in the mm -hmm. first half, and then the, but it it felt weird. You know, that game felt weird the entire time. It felt like there was uh, because they were going on two days of prep basically between each game. It felt like that finally caught up to them. Right. It felt like they. Uh, somehow didn't realize Hunter Dickinson was the best player on the court for uh, Michigan, and he dominated. Mm -hmm. And then they blew it open in the second half, and I think Northwestern was just gassed. They got an extra day of rest going into that Wisconsin game. They go pull that. Uh, I, th I think it may have been an upset at that point in time with yeah. the way everything was trending on the road, uh, and it's kind of a fringe quad one win right now. Um, but you've really seen this team just kind of like – um, through all the adversity, kind of band together because they're they're you have the the senior leaders on this team. You got a lot of seniors. Um, mm -hmm. You got a great backcourt that some people are starting to talk about. Is it the best backcourt in the Big Ten? Mm -hmm. um, and those two guys have just elevated their their level of play, especially Boo Booey over the last two weeks. He's been truly unbelievable, uh, coming off Big Ten Player of the Week, and I think March Madness Player of the Week as well. Um, but then you got back to – you were back on a normal schedule, and I think that has allowed them to get a little bit back to normal on rest. I think there's still a hair of the 
uh, amount of games that they've played in the last like month mm-hmm. is still kind of hanging around. Maybe that's a little bit of why we saw like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde first half, <laughs> second half last night, where the first half they were absolutely dominating Indiana and just mm-hmm. had them on the ropes. They were they were um, completely flustered. And then the second half, it was like Northwestern. It was like Northwestern played the game like they were the team that was down a ton because they shot 15 threes and they're wow, yeah. 312th in three-point percentage. Like It didn't make a lot of sense, mm-hmm. but uh, they figured out a way to, to, to hang on. But I think it's really a testament to the senior leaders of this team. It's a great time to start getting hot. As we said, like this, you have your bad games a few weeks ago. Get them out of the way. Start start playing good basketball right now. And Northwestern, before this game, before they beat Indiana, were projected by Joe Lenardi in the latest bracketology as a seven seed. Right mm-hmm. now, this team is trending higher than that. We could be talking about a six seed, uh, depending on how the rest of the Big Ten play shakes out. Obviously, we still got quite a few games left, but it doesn't feel like Northwestern is in that spot that they've been historically where it's like, hey, we're just happy to be even in consideration for the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. And if we make it, we're just really happy to be there. It's not a, a particularly common occurrence for Northwestern, but it feels like this team, that's not where their goals are. They're not just like, oh, we're hoping to play well enough in this conference to to sneak into the big dance. Like, this is a team looking to make it to the Sweet 16. This is a team that's make it, looking to make it even farther than the Sweet 16. I'm curious your thoughts as we've seen this team kind of really start to start to peak at the right time as they get through that COVID pause. Like, does this feel like a team that can make some actual noise in the NCAA tournament rather than just getting there? Oh, man, I, I think so. I think mm-hmm. when you look at the way they're, they're, they feel like they're such a difficult matchup for everybody mm-hmm. defensively, and it may not – when you look at the roster, it may not jump off the page, but you do have guys like Ty Berry, who's pretty good on defense, will get some mm-hmm. steals. But you have Chase Audige, who is one of the best steal guys in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was averaging two and a half steals per game, leading the Big Ten, was top ten in the country, I think, uh, and way up there when you look at uh, kind of high major schools when you uh, look at that. But they're really good on defense, but to me – the difference is the fact that they have that high-level guard play. You have Boo Booey when things when things go sideways, when things go haywire. Mm-hmm. Boo Booey, as we saw last night, Boo Booey mm-hmm. was the only option of like yeah. steadying the uh, ship there because you had, I mean, Robbie Barron, Chase Audige, Ty Berry were all jacking up threes, and it's like, guys, you've <laughs> got a lead, relax, right. and you you do have that guy in Boo Booey who. For a while, the boo-booey floater felt like the only option. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think a guy, a couple guys that I think have stepped up and gone to a different level and may not get the attention. You have Matthew Nicholson down low, somebody who really didn't play a lot last year, um, kind of early in the year. Like, like when Northwestern got just hammered by Ohio State in the first game, and it was 34-8, to eight, mm-hmm. one of the worst starts I've ever seen in a basketball game ever. Um he was just starting like that was like his first or second game starting in his career. We've seen him step up. I mean, Zach Eadie's going to get Zach Eadie numbers, but I thought he put up a great fight. He was tipping passes, getting steals. It was really phenomenal to watch him. And then my favorite player to watch on this team is Brooks Barnheiser because nothing jumps off the stat sheet, mm-hmm. but the effort is there. He goes and gets offensive rebounds. He saves balls, diving out of bounds. The effort's there. He does all the dirty work. And every now and then he has a play where it's like, I didn't know Brooks Barnheiser could do that. What's up with that? Like last night, 
he had a spin down the lane and then a no look bounce pass kind of diagonal behind him for for a bucket for I think it was either Martinelli or Nicholson I can't recall but it was just like there's some there's something to his game and he's he's getting better and better and I think that's what's what you're seeing with this team. You kind of alluded to this already, but one thing that I noticed when kind of looking at Northwestern's roster and the success they've had this year is in an era where so many rosters are getting overturned pretty dramatically year in and year out, whether it's huge freshman classes, whether it's transfer portal and bringing in two, three, four, five new starters in some capacity, uh, that's not the case. For Northwestern, I think their top five scores are all returners. I think four of those five guys or maybe even five of their top six guys are all guys who've been in the program for at least two years already. This is a veteran team. And mm-hmm. when you look at the rest of the Big Ten, I mean, Purdue's obviously fantastic. And I don't think that their their guard room is, is bad. It's very, very good, but it's very inexperienced. Mm-hmm. Mostly freshmen starting for them. Indiana's, of course, relying on Jalen hood Shafino, who has been remarkably inconsistent at times this year. When he's on, he's fantastic. When he's not, he can really hurt that team you look at northwestern so much veteran experience and obviously we talked beforehand about pete nance being a player who departed this program so it's not like they're not ever losing talent but what does it say about chris collins to be able to keep a huge majority of his talent for multiple years especially when this team hasn't had a ton of success in the last few years you can see it paying off in a major way what does it say about him that he was able to do that and keep this team together in an era where that's not easy to do yeah, I mean, I think it's a credit to Chris Collins uh, and the coach that he is. I think he is um, a very underrated coach in the country uh, yeah. to elevate a Northwestern program that had never been to the NCAA tournament until he came along and, yeah. and now appears to be about to go to its second NCAA tournament. Um, but, I mean, especially because we all know how NIL affects everything sure. in the modern college uh, world with the transfer portal and everything. Northwestern didn't get its NIL like ship right until a month and a half ago when they finally announced a collective. Like they were eight, nine months behind the rest of like the second to last team to announce a collective Mm -hmm. was like eight or nine months before that, or if not longer. Um, So it's a credit to how he's able to hold this team together. And maybe it's a little bit of a, kind of like island of uh, misfit toys, like a lot of pieces that maybe don't attract a ton of attention. I mean, obviously you had Pete Nance go to UNC and you had Ryan Young go to Duke, Mm -hmm. uh, but we hadn't seen Boo Booey elevate to this level. Chase Hodges was dealing with an injury last year, hadn't really, didn't really look uh, like the guy we've seen this year, but you've seen so many guys elevate their game. uh, And I think that's a credit to this staff and what they've been able to do. Carter Bird, Locked On Northwestern, thank you so much for coming on the show. Plenty more opportunities, hopefully, to talk about this team as they get into the NCAA tournament and and might actually make some noise this year. Thanks again for coming on the show. Enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. All right, closing out the show, talking with Tristan Freeman of Busting Brackets about the Pitt Panthers, who are tied right now for first place in the ACC and came this close to having sole possession of first place after Virginia nearly lost to Louisville on Wednesday night. Uh, Currently, the Pitt Panthers boasting a six-game winning streak. Tristan, my question for you is pretty simple. Is this team underrated nationally? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when when you have the run that the Panthers have had, not only win over Virginia in the past, two wins over North Carolina, beat Miami, 
Mm -hmm. at, at this point, it's hard to see not the Panthers not only as a top 30 team, but one that could make some noise in, in the NCAA mm -hmm. tournament, assuming that they get there and there's no skid that happens in the next couple sure. weeks. Yeah, I, this team has been absolutely fantastic. And I think that you we, so much of the attention on the ACC this year has been about the teams that aren't performing well. We're talking about North Carolina. It's obviously when a team starts the year number one and ends up doing what they've done, you get a lot of attention. Duke obviously was always going to get a lot of attention because the transition with the coaching staff. Virginia has been very solid, but and then there's a lot of attention on the the teams at the very bottom of the ACC that have really, really struggled. And I feel like teams kind of in the middle aren't getting a lot of love. Miami's gotten some love at times. Clemson was generally just considered, oh, it's not really realistic that they're actually number one in the ACC, even though for a period of time they were. And then Pitt has kind of come on more lately, but it feels like they're just not really getting a lot of love. And what I want to ask you now is, Looking ahead at this team's schedule, we know at Virginia Tech is their next game. That's going to be a tough one. After that, it gets a little bit easier. They got Georgia Tech. They got Syracuse. They got Notre Dame. And then they got that big one at Miami on the road. Do you think that this team, ha I mean, it's hard to say no to this question as they're currently tied for first place, but do you think that this team could end up winning the ACC regular season title outright? It's going to be hard because the thing with Virginia, even though they, they struggled with Louisville, mm -hmm. they're a team that just has so many veterans and yeah. the way they play, it's just, it's just hard to see them getting upset. Mm -hmm. And Virginia's schedule, for the most part, is fairly easy down the stretch yeah. as well. They, they don't lose games that they're not supposed to. So if you're mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, you may honestly have to run the table. Yeah. And, and that's going to include the end of the year at Miami, who, who's still mm -hmm. one game back themselves and who could make right. the case that if both teams mm -hmm. uh, take a loss, they could win on the final game. So yeah. there's plenty to play for. There's, there's his, uh, historical records that Pitt's never done in the ACC that they've already accomplished mm -hmm. to keep going. They're pretty much safe in the double-bye conversation. But now yeah. – why not? If you beat Virginia Tech this weekend, you mm -hmm. can absolutely win the ACC. 13 and three, it puts you in a pretty darn good spot. But yeah, you acknowledge Virginia. They don't have a particularly tough schedule either. They got Notre Dame. They got Boston College, North Carolina on the road. That's going to be a really, really tough one. Clemson, they got them at home at least. And then Louisville again. So Virginia, very realistic chance. They go five and zero to close out the season, at least four and one. So it's going to be a tough path for Pitt. And again, this is not a battle between Pitt and Virginia. They're the two teams right there, but Miami is right there as well. Going to be fun to see how things finish up in the ACC. My other question for you, looking at what the ACC is going to do in the NCAA tournament, because I think that conferences tend to get overall reputations and, and the Big Ten you know, has always had a reputation for not doing particularly well in March, but the ACC often kind of Put, seems to put things together at the right time. Obviously, North Carolina went on a run last year as an eight seed. Looking at the teams right now that are going to be in the field, there's quite a few of them. Do you think this is going to be another year where the ACC is going to kind of make up their reputation by doing well in the NCAA tournament? And if so, are there a couple teams that you think have a realistic chance of really making some noise in March? Yeah, I think ultimately it's the guard play that, that runs the NCAA tournament. The sure. ACC has some of them. Miami mm -hmm. is one of the best backcourts yeah. with Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong. You got mm -hmm. NC State, who quietly has had a great year, which are Kavian Smith and Jarkel Joyner, who just had yeah. a triple-double this past week. So when you yeah. have guards as talented throughout the ACC, and that still doesn't you know, North Carolina, you know, even if they slide in as the 11th seed, we've seen plenty of double-digit skeets make, make runs, and you don't want to play a team with two capable 30-point per-game scores. Mm -hmm. and, and then Duke – 
you know, they're a team that has never been able to get healthy, but mm-hmm. they, they, they have the pieces. Kyle Filipowski is one of the best players in the country. Derek mm-hmm. Lively has come on as a defensive anchor. Like, they're a team you still don't want to play talent-wise. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't be surprising at all if the ACC – has another year where they can get three teams into the the, the second weekend, mm-hmm. and ultimately everyone's looking ahead, looking you know up at the Big Twelve, who could probably get five or six. But mm-hmm. I think the ACC can once again hold their own and, mm-hmm. and sort of salvage their national reputation. Well, st- sticking with Pitt, let's go. Let's go back to the Panthers a little bit. Obviously, they have very talented backcourt as well. Jamarius Burton has been fantastic this year. Not shooting it exceptionally well, but sixteen points, five boards, four and a half assists per game. Looking at Pitt's kind of roster construction and, and what they have going for them right now, is this a team that you think could make some noise in March, or is it more like, hey, they're they're going to be a good regular season team, but we'll see how they do when they get to the big dance? I, I think in the, the run where they beat uh, Miami, Wake Forest, mm-hmm. and North Carolina, they showed yeah. they can win multiple ways. They yeah. can go in a shootout. They, they're, they're a team that already has multiple games with 17-plus made three-pointers. Blake mm-hmm. Kenson, the ultimate stretch forward that, mm-hmm. that can shoot the lights out at any given time. And then when you have four guards who are all fifth or six-year seniors with Nelly yeah. Cummins and Burton and Nike Sabani coming off the bench, you, you have the, the, the experience. You have the shooting capabilities. And this is a team that doesn't beat themselves. And, that, mm-hmm. and that's going to be something that's going to be hard to beat. And then an unsung hero has been Federico Federico, yeah. who's been in place of John Hughley, who, who's out for the year. He's become a legitimate all ACC defender. He, he, he shut down Clinton Post at Boston College this week. Did a mm-hmm. great job on Baycott. Did a great job on North Chattanooga of Miami this year. He's going to be difficult for teams to score on. And mm-hmm. I think Pitt's going to be a team that's going to fly under the radar a bit, but depending on the right matchup, can absolutely take on anyone. Tristan, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show to talk some Pitt Panther basketball, to talk some ACC hoops. Always good to have your insight and expertise on the show. Yeah, anytime, Andy. All right, that is going to do it for us today and for this week. Enjoy an epic slate of games on Saturday. More recaps and everything coming your way next week right here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, available on YouTube as well. Go hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. For now, enjoy the weekend. Talk to you next week. Peace out.